All right, welcome back. We got our guests back with us. Luis Vega, Joe Lachance, back with us talking about Cannabis Corner. Um, Joe, you were talking about uh, before uh, recording, um, talking about uh, you being in, in Puerto Rico. So so what brought you down there? Because um, obviously Connecticut is is uh, your scene, but you are in the uh, the Caribbean. Why? What's up? Well, I get, it's always been a dream of mine to retire let's say in the caribbean right hmm. now i'm no young kid anymore i i turned 63 last year i'm turning 64 this year and i had wanted to do this for quite a while um i had visited this island a couple times and i really fell in love with it and like i said it's been a dream of mine since i was say in my mid-30s to retire on a caribbean island and I found this place. I liked it. It had a lot of good qualities. The fact that it's still a part of the U.S., the fact that they're using the U.S. dollar, you know, uh, you don't have to have a passport, you know, all that kind of stuff. Plus, it's beautiful. So when the pandemic hit, I kind of, I had to close my store and my little coffee shop that I had and my medical marijuana business. Uh, we had a CBD shop uh, that I ran with my brother. We had to close that. So I had nothing going on. And I said, you know what? And legalization was on the cusp of happening. I said, you know what? It's now or never. You know, this is the time. I have time. I'm not doing anything. I have to start over again once this thing is over. And who knew how long it was going to be? I said, now's the time. So I took that lockdown time and I took all that downtime and I just started packing up my life, putting money together and getting ready to do it. Um, and I, I've been here full time, probably about a year. Uh, at first, I would go down here for a couple months, then go back up there, you know, just to get things, you know, with the legalization. When legalization happened in 2021, because of the pandemic, all the hearings and everything were done remotely anyway. So it allowed me to still stay active through the radio show, uh, through being able to testify um, virtually. And once legalization came in, I just felt such a sigh of relief. Um, and just to clarify, you're talking about the regulation of Connecticut, not Puerto Rico. Connecticut. Yeah. Yeah. Connecticut. I knew I made the right decision. You know, um, like I said, I'm not a young kid anymore. I'm 63 years old. It was a seven year battle to get legalization put in Connecticut. And there were some times where was, there were some really difficult periods through that. And I was very stressed out. My health wasn't doing so well. Um, and I just felt it was the right time. And I, I really love it down here. There's a lot less stress. There's a lot less hustle bustle. Again, because because not only do I live in Puerto Rico, I live on a little sub island in Puerto Rico called Vieques. You actually have to take a plane or a ferry to get to the mainland Puerto Rico. So this place is like a time capsule here. There's We have medical marijuana in Puerto Rico and they have a very good program. I would say their medical marijuana program is better than Connecticut's. Um, they have a very good program. They have good, good quality. They set up the laws so it, it has to be Puerto Rican owned. So you don't have a lot of MSOs down here. You don't have any MSOs down here. Um, so 
it's it's so calm, so peaceful here that um that's why I live here, man. <laughs> so that's actually how I started my podcast was because I went down to Puerto Rico. I heard about uh, what was Act 20 at the time. Mm-hmm. Tried to talk to some people, just CBD companies saying, hey, if you want to avoid, you know, some of the wrap up and failures and whatever, you might want to get down there and take advantage of that because it's literally adding 20% to your bottom line right. uh, by, by moving down there. And people just didn't care, didn't want to hear it. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to start my own podcast and talk about business stuff and and nerd out on on my own topics. Uh, so it's fascinating that that you actually are going down there and and still in the industry and and seeing it. Have you noticed any backlash though on um, what's called now Act sixty? A lot of crypto folks down there. Both Doug and I are, are investors during the day, and um, as was back. I, as was Lou. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, so you've seen plenty of going on with, with the crypto market. Um, is, is there some backlash locally with, with yep. all the people moving in there? Yep. Very much so. Not so much on my Island because the people here really don't get up to protest. It's kind of almost like, um, you know, like I said, a little time capsule here, but yeah. there Brock Pierce did buy Brock Pierce. You all know who he is, right? The big crypto investor billionaire did buy a big property here on my island. Uh, He has bought a ton of property on the main island. He's one of the guys who came down here uh, and and took advantage of that law, you know, the 4% tax law. Um, And yeah, there's a lot of backlash. When he comes to town, people protest. Uh, They have been protests. They're calling it the second colonization of Puerto Rico. The people here I've heard that. I find it interesting too, because he bought um, a hotel that was a waterfront that was destroyed by Hurricane. That's Maria. the one he bought here, the yeah. W Hotel. Yeah, he right. bought that here on this island. And no one was doing anything with it, Joe. And yet they're going to complain when somebody from an outside comes in and actually fixes it up. So I don't, I don't get it. But maybe well, that's here's the problem. The he still hasn't done anything with it. Mm. So the people are saying, "What is this? A tax shelter, whatever?" Mm. And enough. you know what happened with the crypto market. So, so when he bought it, so as a Puerto Rican, <laughs> there you go. Luis is um, Puerto Rican. So I also did go down and took advantage of the uh, 4% tax. And I have a couple of friends who did that as well as native Puerto Ricans with mainland island, but mainland businesses. Mm-hmm. And I did that at the end of my CBD transitioning to my adult use. Um, a big part of that is so that I can give back to my community because I'm able to take 10% of what I would have paid in taxes Hell yeah. and yeah, just... into my local into my local communities in Puerto Rico and mm-hmm. up here. But then you take it one step further. The biggest reason for the issues with like the purchase of the W is they're going to privatize. They're going to very much try to privatize the coastline that's attached to the hotel. Yeah. And mm-hmm. in Puerto Rico, all beaches are... Uh, public spaces so even if you buy a beachfront property the beachfront of that property still has to be accessible by the public right so easements come into play and usually when you buy a nice property like that you don't want your high-end guests um bothered by locals locals and by law, you have to have that. So what companies are doing when you buy large properties like that, they don't do anything to the property. They allow the property value to continue to drop, allow the properties around them to fail, and then they buy up more of the land, privatizing the public assets there. 
So now the people that were there, and this is happening in, in Hawaii as well. And a lot of times we don't have individuals that have now made it part of their business plan to work like the, I don't, I, I'm going to sound super Puerto Rican, the colonizing people that are coming in to take over our space because there aren't very, very many native Latino Puerto Ricans that can actually take advantage of these yeah. same tax acts. So, you know what I mean? We see when Logan Paul and the Paul brothers were chastising Bad Bunny for taking advantage of the same tax acts that they're taking advantage of, but we're native Puerto Ricans. This is for our culture. This is for our island. So if you're going to come in and kind of do it as an investor, I would look for the same community host agreements that they're forcing on the cannabis industry when they move over there. You know what I mean? So like, if you're going to buy one of these large places, you should have some type of commitment to the, to the community and the to, to give money back in but, right right yeah that's, that's a, that should be a no-brainer um <laughs> you know, me and my wife have talked about that too we're, we're looking at puerto rico going in and we would put a hundred percent of our savings back into the community and by that i mean buying a uh like rick steves he you know he's a travel guy right and so he lives here in seattle he went and bought a, an apartment complex in North Seattle and then gave really, really cheap rent to single moms. I would right. do the same thing. I would do, I'd make my investments kind of philanthropic, but I would invest 100% of my savings into the community. And I think other people should do that as well. It, it only makes sense, mm -hmm. um, you know, to double down on your investment, yeah. but to, to do some good with it. Do you guys feel like that's going to be a, a game changer for the companies that do move down there? Because I've said that 85% of CBD companies, for example, will fail unless they have a puerto rican entity is that hyperbole or would you agree with that it's it's a good tax strategy now here's the thing um the reason that there's so much pushback is because the people they feel like the people who do come down here and take advantage of the tax bill are not putting back into the community so they're just taking 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 you know whereas they could take some of that money and build a community center for the city that they're 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 wherever and there's also they're also taking these properties turning them into high rise raising the rents real high so now there's no housing for locals as well so like what you said making uh, a building for single mothers if they came down here invested put together you know in some property and then offered it to locals for a lower rent if they would add more to the community, um, then I think they would be more accepted. You know, but and I'm, and I, and, and I, me and Joe go back and forth about this all the time because, you know, I'm also I'm an entrepreneur. I understand all of that. And I love where you're saying you put 100% of everything. It's a sound business decision. And that's what's going to yeah. make a lot of companies more successful. Like you said, 80 something percent of companies that don't have a Puerto Rican entity are going to, are good it's a it's hard they, they might go under because they don't have that 20 percent buffer you know mm -hmm. what i mean so if it costs you 10 percent of what you would have saved to set your entity up and have that up then now you're saving still 10 percent over the grand scale and to say you invest that 10 percent, which could be a hundred thousand dollars it could be a savings of a hundred grand right and say you put that into that local community in some way of just electricity for the five block radius of where your business is so that you don't ever lose electricity. But mm. now the local people around you are able to have a, a solid electrical base. And now they they become favorable to you. You know what I mean? 
we, that's one thing that a lot of people are, are not looking into. And how can I make my local community better, not just for the people, but for my business as well and be a great civic partner. So if right. it means raising infrastructure on a five block radius and it might cost me a hundred grand, I'm not counting on the government to do it. So I'm not counting on the town to use my tax money to do it. I'm going to do it. So I save that tax money myself. I'm going to make sure that the people are, are taken care of because then they're going to want to shop with me, you know, and it's, I'm saving this money anyway. So now I'm not spending anything extra, but I'm getting some great PR with it, you know, and right. my, my karma is good. And it's a tax write-off because you're putting it into something. Exactly. <laughs> you know, the whole name of the game is taxes, baby. Yeah, a lot right. of people don't realize that they have all these pharmaceutical company uh, facilities from from the '80s that were CPG and ISO certified and everything. So there's a there's opportunities down there. Bilingual, and I've always said, you know, bilingual call center would be a great opportunity to set up down there. Yeah, and yep. I don't think the terroir is terrible. Uh, people are you can train them, and th there's a lot of agricultural opportunities. But do you think ultimately with the storm, you know, the, the hurricane season, the salt water. Do you think that Puerto Rico, I know that Southwest grows coffee, right? There's a mountain chain yep. there that kind of blocks everything. That's where the coffee comes from. Is that the only place that's suitable? No. Or what's the probability that Puerto Rico could actually grow? Or is it only going to be a processing facility or what's you guys? Well, here's, here's the deal. And this is so why they're so against colonization. Go ahead, Lou. So the growth, we, we did sugarcane there. We did uh, yep. so many different things that. That, that, so agriculture is a cornerstone of, our, of what we do. We can't even export as, as much agriculture as we would be able to take in. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? We don't necessarily have food scarcities because you can reach up and grab fruit. Um, we grow cow, we grow pig, we, you know, so we, we have all of that in place. And cannabis is a great crop. You know, there's hemp that's being grown outside. There's cannabis that's able to be grown. It's it's really interesting to see the agricultural methods that people are employing to grow this crop. Cannabis yeah. is one of those things that could, it, a couple lights and some fans usually. It's it's interesting because not only cannabis is a is a crop, but we grow tobacco in Puerto Rico as well. We grow yep. tobacco in Cuba. And that's a crop that's very much comparable to growing cannabis. They still use field fans. They use field lights for other crops, other words. And cannabis is just the same. Um, the way we grow it outdoors is you throw, you have a field light that you would put on for an hour before sunrise and an hour yeah. after sunset. You're good on your light cycles. And then when you want to flower, it would flower naturally through the light cycle. You just turn those lights off. Right. To keep moisture and mildew down is just uh, field fans like you would with any other ground crop. And so the Puerto Rican people are known to how to grow this plant so much so that when indentured servitude and field work was going on in the 40s and 50s, the Puerto Ricans, Jamaicans, Dominicans, and Cubans were imported from the Caribbean to grow these crops in the U.S. So there's yeah. a ton of history that aren't even that yeah. are that aren't even known about you know what i mean the the land here is very amicable to growing and and like lou said if you go back in the history of puerto rico this used to be an agricultural island the spaniards definitely knew how to 
utilize and take advantage of what was here naturally. When the U.S. came in, it was a whole different story. They saw it as a military stronghold. So they, they, the whole sugarcane industry that was here moved out. They took it out and brought it over to Hawaii. And, and it was a, a thriving industry here. Uh, same with the coffee. And then he instituted this thing. It's called the Jones Act, which means that you can't import directly from other countries here. You have to. Everything that you comes here has to come from U.S. soil, has to touch U.S. soil. So basically, it has to come from U.S. distributors. Um, but not only that, it has to come from Jacksonville. There's only one port in the entire world yes, where everything it, has to come from. Yeah, and that and it comes here. So it makes things very more expensive when realistically, uh, again, you talked about big pharma coming in here. They took up a lot of that agricultural farmland and built big factories down here. And then I don't know if you know that the farm industry moved out of here and went over to China. And a lot of those big factories are now weed grow houses. So, I mean, at least they were repurposed for the medical marijuana industry. But yes, this island could definitely almost be self-sustaining if they would think that way. If maybe they could get out from under the U.S. thumb. Because you have agriculture, like Lou said, you got farming here. You could, And, and again, that used to be a big industry here. Not so much anymore. But if you could get the mentality and bring all that back and then add hemp in as a major crop, this island could be self-sustaining because you certainly have enough sun to do solar. It has its own water source. We have our own rainforest and the water is supplied and, and it's nearly endless and it's beautiful, fresh water. So we have all the, the materials here. It could be a self-sustaining island if it would just be able to uh, go in that direction. Lou, would you recommend that American-based businesses move, you know, their, their operations to Puerto Rico, knowing that there's some backlash and, and you know, racism claims and some frustration from locals and the high prices that everyone in the world is feeling with fiat inflation? Um, would you recommend people move there? And and if if so, how? How 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 should people do that uh, appropriately? Um, as a native Puerto Rican, I don't want anybody else to move there. They get. <laughs> I say that too, man. Seattle, I'm in, like California. Stay home. I don't move here. Yeah. Yeah. The only exactly. people I want here are my friends, man. And most of my friends are are native Puerto Ricans. So I just want to keep it a secret. I because it's so it's so special that it's like oh I just want to keep it a secret because as long as we are a part of the U.S. Um, those tax, it's a, it's a tax haven. It is, if, if you're able to do it, if you can take six months and just go live on the island and experience it and actually find the love for the Lou, island. Real quick, because we keep talking about this, but we haven't explained why. So real quick, why it's a tax haven is because you can't have taxation without representation. And there's no yes. uh, senators or government representation. Yes. And so therefore, there's no tax. So there, that's Correct. why. Go ahead. Yeah, there's no federal Correct. tax. Along with that comes, there's no right to vote as well. Right. So as you have to establish yourself as a Puerto Rican resident to take advantage of the 4% tax. So you can vote in the Puerto Rican elections if you so choose, which 
can you know sometimes they can be important it's important to stay involved in your local politics because that really right. what affects local you local politics is and that's what what it is it's all local politics with no real um input or anything into the larger sector of it and that's what the sad part is and the tough part so yes tax haven because you know you have some great regulations four percent tax you're going to add 20 percent you're going to add 20 percent to your bottom line no matter what you know what i mean so it's pretty interesting so if you were if you were being taxed at the tune of like five hundred thousand dollars a year because we don't have a 280e sector and so this is a this just goes into why cannabis it, it just makes sense if you are a cannabis company and i would say if, if you were an ethical cannabis company um and would respect the the space and the island then yeah going to the island would do worlds for you and wonders and realistically if you even sourced from the island um you'd save a ton of money because now you're not even moving product and the product is being grown on large hectares of land and the extractions being done in c1d1 style facilities from old pharmaceutical buildings you know what i mean so it's mm -hmm. a superior product yeah. with 100 with american technology and american education and american and this is the next part of it with it being a tax haven and we're talking how much of a beautiful island this is not a third world country because no. they have all the accessibility to the u.s so yeah. it is we have walmart here Yep, full. Yeah, it's full U.S. educated individuals. You're not getting somebody who was educated at a place that wasn't um, recognized by federal standards of the United States. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, you're selling I, it loose. You're, you're you're not supposed to be selling it. So yeah, my yeah, advice to come yeah. back on that sale. <laughs> hey, hey, Josh, I'm not gonna lie. Josh and I this week, no lie. What did we talk about, Josh? We were talking about buying a house in Puerto Rico in 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. guys yeah. i'll let you in on a little secret i have a place for you to stay if you ever want to visit Just there you go. <laughs> hey, I, i'm curious do you guys ever laugh at anyone when you see them on linkedin or, or any social media and they're talking about going to jamaica do you guys ever i think it's a meme i think it's hilarious those are the people that i just put on a list of like flag them and anyone who ever gave them money because they have no idea what's going on do you ever laugh you know, at them or do you just say good I, luck I say good luck. I shake my head a little bit. Jamaica yeah, has changed the rules a little bit, though. We actually, yeah. Lou, we had a guest on who uh, a couple weeks ago who is in We're Jamaica talking, right so, now. For investment side, that's what. Oh yeah, forget it. When you forget compare it. it to the opportunities in Puerto Rico, why in the world would you ever look at at Jamaica? Yeah, right. no, the opportunities are not there. They have a very small medical program, and it just got in you know it right started. and the money doesn't go exactly where it needs to there's always a lot of greasing yeah. of the wheels when you go international yeah, yeah. people i mean i don't think people the understand that can puerto rico has the infrastructure and enough dispensaries and enough growers to go legal right now oh yeah there's, there's more uh, than can yeah. In San Juan, there's a dispensary on every other block. Not what they need is more patients. But they right. there's what... a ton of patients, ton of patients, and very tourism friendly. It's twenty five dollars to get yourself a temporary medical uh, card for reciprocity for flower. If not, if you have a card from any place else, you can just buy anything but flower. You can, yep. uh, yeah, you can get concentrates, vapes. 
All you need is a medical card from another state. Is it any good though? Oh, excellent. Yes. Good product. It is all craft, great local companies. And these are people who are educated from the United States. A lot of the guys came either from New York, California. Yeah, the law. You can have an American business partner. Right. But you have to have a 51% owner who is Puerto Rican. Yep. Um, and they don't allow MSOs here. So, yeah, they're, and, and I got to say, I've been, you know, using the medical products from Puerto Rico and they, they're top, they're good quality. I, they're good quality stuff. So, um, no, they have the infrastructure to go legal now. The thing here, they do tax their medical marijuana. Um, and we do have a high sales tax here. It's 11%, um, <laughs> which is high. And that's on everything. That's on you want to go buy milk. All right. So, okay. So we're on par there. We're close. One percentage point doesn't matter. Um, seven here. So it's pretty close anyway. Yeah. 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 So they're not in a hurry to legalize it here um, because the government is already making their money off it. You know what I mean? It's not like in a lot of states where it's non-taxed. They are getting tax money from it as well as the licensing money. Um, and there's actually there is no fee to get your card here. You pay a fee to the doctor and that's it. You don't pay a fee. Yeah. To, to How come they're not making more of a big deal to make it more of a destination? It's it's the Caribbean. I, I hear more about Costa Rica and it's not even part of the U.S. So why why is Puerto Rico not kind of doubling down on its on its um, advertising and marketing and tourism and, and really just letting cannabis be, you know, this this inviting tool instead of just ignoring it and letting Miami kind of take some of the the attention away? You they know, do, I think yeah. I think that um, there is a lot of information out about it, but with it still being such a taboo thing. Yeah. It, it's it's hard, you know, because alcohol is a huge thing out there. Um, yeah, they so sure push you that. Drive in, you, you land in San Juan, you do see that it is advertised for tourism. You can get alcohol almost any place. There's huge uh, billboards everywhere for alcohol. Uh, gambling is something that's up and coming now in San Juan. There are a couple very small casinos, but they're still there. It's not a huge area where you're going to sustain large casinos, but the idea of fun is very prevalent on the island. Do you know what I mean? And cannabis is growing because in most Caribbean countries that in our past, that was that it was very taboo. It was what evil did or doers did. It wasn't, you know, right for what you were doing. So now with it going legal and going heavily legal, I mean, adult use, I mean, medical out there, I apologize, but there's so many dispensaries, you know, like this is a large industry now. Um, we're talking for the island, there's over a hundred and something growers. You know, there's a small craft, uh, still gray market that does home grow cultivation because homegrown isn't legal out there. Um, but the island allow the island calls for it. And I think that the government's just not pushing it because... They're, they're they're under the rule of the U.S. where international Federal. can can do more advertising to seek the investors, you know, because it's a country looking for it. Other than that, it, we're a country with no representation, so we don't really look to bring in those things other than just tourism. Tourism would be 
what we're looking to drive business, but investment money is solely yeah. based on what the government says that they can do. Puerto Rico can't create any of its own investment rules. So, so it's you're saying there's that many dispensaries and there's no MSOs over there. No. Um, how do do the dispensaries do well? I mean, over here, they, you guys obviously know what's going on. It's like, I mean, in New Jersey, they open up a dispensary and it doesn't do very well right now. And it's like that across the whole country. So in Puerto Rico, it sounds like it's a thriving business and it's amazing with no MSOs. And it sounds like quality product. Right. And now there are companies that are big companies, but they're Puerto Rican owned, if you know what I'm saying. So there is mm -hmm. a, a big grower called PR Med, and they're the largest grower out here. And they supply a lot of the dispensaries. Some of the dispensaries have four or five different locations of the same name. Um, yeah, it is amazing without MSOs. The dispensaries do well um especially the ones in san juan once you get to the more outer areas they're not as condensed as they are in the main city um but there is there has been um let's just say there's oversaturation a little bit a lot too and they're lacking patience now there's been a so, big so drive to get more patience so what I think is the best way to describe it is the level at which people designate is successful. One right. person successful is a lot different than a Puerto Rican successful. Right. I believe that Puerto Rican successful as these companies are doing it, even the smaller ones are seeing that they're successful as long as they have the positive cash flow, the owner's probably making 60 to 100 grand a year. It's it's a big difference in what the idea of successful. We say, well, I in agree, Jersey, yeah. successful is a million dollars. Where you know it's a million dollars a month because successful in Connecticut is a million dollars a month. Adult use ten million dollars a month medical per dispensary. So right. that's yeah. that's the the. The unit of measure, I guess we would say. Yeah, I so agree with Lou the unit, that. the how you would gauge success in Puerto Rico for for a successful dispensary or grow or something is a lot different than what we gauge it here. Um, I believe that yeah. there's more of a focus on just being able to survive and live versus needing to be the kingpin of weed in Puerto Rico. Yeah, that, that whole millionaire mentality really isn't here. I, I agree 100% with Lou. And it's a mentality thing. Mm. It's, you know what I mean? It really is. It's, it's the mentality of the people here. And that's why I like the fact that the businesses are owned by Puerto Ricans. You know, you don't have a lot of U.S. investors coming in and, and getting that mentality, the corporate mentality where we have to make money, make money, and the product suffers. And, and and Lou hit the nail right on the head. Lou hit the nail. It's a cultural thing, and their expectations are not as high. They're just happy yeah, the, the, to the be running their is, own business. Yeah, the rat race is definitely an American mainland thing. Uh, it's very different in Alaska, where I was born. Different in, in Hawaii, of course. Uh, and yet, it's still one of those places where it's the only place in the world as an American you can go and not be taxed. You can work anywhere else in the world. And Puerto Rico is still the only place uh, that you're not going to be taxed at that federal level. But 
Um, oh, well, St. Thomas too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think with that, we're going to have to take a break really quick. Hopefully we can come back because I want to talk to you guys about advertising and what's going on in Connecticut. So hopefully we'll be able to get you guys to come back uh, right after this break. Um, so again, we got uh, Joe Lachance with Cannabis Corner and Luis Vega with Nautilus Botanicals, uh, hopefully joining us right after this break. So stay tuned. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed, and I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.